0: welcome to my seven chakras and now your host aditya jai kumar
1: what's up action tribe ej here host and founder of my seven chakras my7chakras.com the show where we provide you ancient wisdom for self-healing and transformation and our guest for today is the founder and chief visionary officer of BNI, the world's largest bi- business networking organization. He has been called the father of modern networking by CNN, and one of the top networking experts to watch by Forbes. He is New York. He's a New York Times best-selling author who has written. Two dozen books and is a columnist for entrepreneur.com he has been named humanitarian of the year by the red cross and is the recipient of the john c maxwell leadership award and is also the co-founder of the bni charitable foundation now that's not it he started bni and many of you know about the worldwide brand name bni but he started that in 1985 34 years in the making 8,836 chapters till date, and uh, Doctor, you can correct me if I'm wrong. Across yeah, 73 right 9,
2: countries. 9,159
1: uh, 9, now. Wow. <laughs> so it is growing leaps and bounds. 11 million referrals, at least uh, the last time I checked, and you, you can let me know the accurate figures, but Quickly growing and a revenue of over $14 billion of business generated through this collective network. That for is, the members, yeah. Yes, for the members. So uh, Action Tribe, you are in-store. You are going to be partaking in a wonderful dialogue, a conversation about relationships, networking, and being a conscious, evolved human being. So if you have any questions, make sure that you add them in the comments. And Action Tribe, our guest for today is Dr. Ivan Meisner. So doctor, are you ready to inspire?
2: I am great, AJ, and please uh, (laughs) feel free to call me Ivan.
1: Okay, thank you. Uh, So Ivan, we always begin every conversation, every interview with some inspiration so what is that one inspirational quote that comes to your mind today and how do you apply it in your life
2: so i i think for certainly the topic it, it kind of depends on what the topic of the of the interview i'm doing is and, and, and for this show i would say that probably the inspirational quote that i like the most is um something from jean paul sartre um i read it many many years ago and i'm i it, this is um it's not exact but it's pretty close Um, We all die too soon Mm -hmm. or too late. And yet our life is complete at that moment with a line drawn neatly under it, ready for the summing up. We are our deeds in life and little more love that quote because it really is about what we do and how we show up in the world. Mm -hmm. Not about what we say. I think the older I get, the less I believe in words and the more I believe in behaviors. Mm. That 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 part was me.
1: Wonderful. Thanks a lot. Thanks a lot for sharing. And I think this is really profound. I mean, we're just beginning our interview today, and yet we're receiving such important wisdom. It's not just about the words that you say, but it's about how you um, implement those words, what actions you take and yeah. the behavior that you are demonstrating in life. That's what you know, sets, sets the tone for your life. So thanks a lot for sharing that with us. And let's start with uh, what inspired you really to write your book, Who's in Your Room?
2: Yeah, Who's in Your Room uh, is, uh, uh, it, it, what inspired me was I, I met with my co-author and he told me about this concept. Uh, can I share the concept with you? Because that's, oh, yeah. that's the beauty of this book. Sure. Imagine you live your entire life mm-hmm. in one room. And that one room has one door and that one door is an enter only door so that when people come into your room or into your life, they're there forever. Mm -hmm. You can never get them out. Now, luckily, this is a metaphor, but if it were true, AJ, would you be more selective about the people that you let into your life? Oh, 100%. That's what everybody always says. So yeah. my question is then, why aren't we? Why aren't we more selective about who we let into our lives? And I would argue that it's more than a metaphor. Mm. Uh, what I'd like you to do, if you're listening to this podcast, and AJ, what I'd like you to do is to think of somebody that you've gotten out of your life. Mm. They're no longer in your life. They were at one time, but they were toxic. They were difficult. You didn't get along with them, and you were able to get them out of your life. Now, I'm not going to make you say who that is, mm. AJ, mm. but... Do you have somebody in your head? I do. And so if you're listening to this, I want you to think of somebody mm. that you have in your mind that was toxic and you got them out of your life. I have people all the time say to me, look, I can get them out of my life. It's no big deal. So this room concept, I don't get it. Right. Well, here's the deal. If you if they're still in your head, they're still in your room. Mm. If you can remember the things they did, what was so frustrating about them, what they did that was toxic, Mm -hmm. then you're thinking about them. And if you're thinking about them, they're still in your room because your room begins on one temple and Mm. ends on the other temple of your head. It it, it is your mind. Your room is your mind. And it's everything that happens to you, all the experiences that you have. We interviewed Dr. Daniel Amen for the book. Who's a a neuroscientist and psychiatrist? And he said, uh, uh, The relationships that you've had throughout your life, those people, their fingerprints are all over your brain. And so the room is your life experiences. And Mm. what we say in the book is, You've got to get better about who you allow into your room. Well, how do you do that? Well, you do that through a couple of things. First, you got to get good with your values, that's Mm. so critical. If you don't know your values now, I say to people, "Give me your top seven values." And mm-hmm. when I say that to people, it's like watching a deer in the headlights. They're like, "Yeah, uh, 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 honesty. <laughs> oh yeah, okay, great. So that's one value. Give me six more." And, right. they him and they hem and they haw and they don't know. If you don't know your values, you don't know who to allow you in, who to allow into your room. So you have to know your values. And so the first thing we do in the book is is talk about how do you come up with your life values. If you don't have that, you can't screen people out. Hmm. The next step is to create what we call, we call it the doorman principle. You can call it whatever you want, the door person, the guard, the bouncer, whatever. But it's your conscious and subconscious mind screening people out of your room Hmm. or trying to get entry into your room or into your life. And that doorman, your conscious and subconscious mind, is screening people based on values based on your values and whether they are congruent with your values or resonant with your values. They don't have to be the same as your values. They just can't be dissonant with mm. your values. And so that's the concept of the book. It's about letting people into your room that have values that are resonant with you and how do you screen them out and, and how do you deal with the problem people that you've already let
1: into your room? I think those are some wonderful principles to you know just think about and relate to because um, you know it can be deceiving the fact that somebody has physically distanced distance themselves from a group they feel good and they're like okay I'm out of there but like you've mentioned You're not out of there. If you're thinking about them or that incident or that situation again and again, it's as good as you being in the same place, which I think is really profound that our brain does not know the difference between something that is happening really and something that we are vividly imagining. So thanks a lot for sharing that. Now, the next thing you spoke about values and the importance of sort of writing down uh, those things or experiences whatever those values are that we hold true. And you've differentiated between two of them. You've said write down your current values and then write down your aspirational values as well. So talk to us about that if you can.
2: Well, listen, so your current values are the values you're living. Uh, If if someone were to walk behind you Mm -hmm. and videotape you throughout the day, your behaviors express Mm -hmm. your values. Okay. So those are the values you're living it it's okay to have aspirational values that is um, values that you want to live but you're not quite there the key is that you got to start mm-hmm. living them mm-hmm. so your aspirational values are values that you think are really important but you 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 haven't spent enough time doing and you need to do that let's mm-hmm. say a simple one like family is important to me but i'm not spending enough time with family yeah okay so start living that value what right. can you do to live that value. And and mm-hmm. um, and it's and so we, you know, don't, in the book, we, we don't want people to beat themselves up for what they aren't. Right. We want them to look at themselves as to what they can be.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And so aspirational values are completely acceptable. Got it, got it. And I'm sure uh, as somebody is listening or watching this right now, whether it's in a replay or even live, they might be thinking, because the fact that you've differentiated between where you are right now in terms of, you know, what are these behaviors or these habits that you're exhibiting versus where you'd like to be, implied in that is the potential for change. And I think that's powerful. It's like, wow, I can really change my life. I can really at least espouse new values, like you've wonderfully put, spending more time with family. That sometimes people might feel is very simple, but that's true. Uh, It's easy to forget that, at least for me, what I really crave for more of, is more family, more community, and more in-person interactions. So yeah. that's my value, I guess. <laughs>
2: well, let's let's come back to that close to the end here because I'd love to talk yeah. about creating balance in your life, yeah. which is the end of the book.
1: Mm-hmm. So
2: somewhere along here in the interview, let's talk about creating balance in your life because I, I talk about in the book, yeah. you know, family time and business time.
1: And I think that's an important one. I've got that question in. So we'll okay. definitely be <laughs> talking about that uh, now. You've sort of alluded to that a bit, but you've written about the metaphorical doorman in the yeah. book. Uh, so who's this doorman, and what do, role does he or she serve? If you could explain that a bit.
2: Yeah. So the doorman principle is uh, again, it's it's um, it, it's your conscious and subconscious mind. Right. It's you. Mm-hmm. But you you know most of us, if we're honest with each other, we have conversations in our mind. Oh yeah. We, we talk to ourselves about a person we think about a person we think about a situation that's a conversation with ourselves. in effect so what we're suggesting in the book is that you have that conversation with your doorman your doorman Mm -hmm. is your value they they, so you have to train your doorman on your values these are my values and so that doorman then creates boundaries Mm -hmm. that doorman is you But it's you through this concept of the doorman. Let me give you an example. Mm -hmm. Um, Stuart, one of my co-authors, one of the boundaries that he set was actually in talking with his Mm mother-in-law about uh, she she would, uh, now you got to understand Stuart's like 80 years old. Okay. His mother-in-law still alive is 97. Wow. Okay. So, she would uh, she would beat him up verbally about what he ate, what he drank. He's eighty years old. She's beating him up about <laughs> what he ate, what he drank. Yeah. And and he said to her one day, he said, "Look, um, this was his values. He loves great food. He loves great drink. He loves coffee.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: And so these are things that are um, important to him. They're values he he loves. So he said to her, you know, you you really can't, you really can't do that." Um, you know, I'm not okay with that. This is who I am. Mm-hmm. So one day, one day she was going off on a tantrum with him about drinking coffee or whatever. Yeah. And, he, and, and she heard this click on the phone
1: mm-hmm. Yeah.
2: and he hung up. And so she called him back. Now she knew the doorman principle. Cause mm-hmm. he had shared it with her and she called him back and she said, Stuart, did you hang up on me? Mm-hmm. And Stuart said, Doris, I would never hang up on you, but my doorman did (laughs) because because that's not okay. This is who I am and Mm -hmm. you can love it or you can let it go, but this is who I am. So he created a boundary. Mm -hmm. Here's the principle in the book. You may be in my room, but your baggage has to stay out.
1: Mm -hmm.
2: And and so it's a matter of creating a boundary where you say, you're in my room. Mm -hmm. I'm not. I can't. I can never get you out. And even if I got you out of my life, and if you're a family member, it's hard to get you out of somebody's life. Your baggage has to stay out, and right. and and that's one of the ways you do it. Now, he was a little abrupt. Yeah. With her, but, yeah. But
1: um,
2: but there are other more tactful ways to do it.
1: Yeah, because one of the questions that I often get from my listeners and people in my community is like sort of you've alluded to that is. Uh, how do I distance myself from family members, especially since I've grown up with them yeah. and people that are close to in my community, Yeah, what is the risk of burning the bridges or do I even have to do that?
2: I hate burning bridges. Uh, you know, I, I run the world's largest business networking organization BNI. Um, yeah. I don't, I don't um, I don't like burning bridges. It's not good for a networker to burn bridges. But there are relationships that I want to distance myself from. Mm-hmm. So in the book, we talk about two things that really uh, help here. Homeopathic mm-hmm. doses and benign neglect. Okay. So let's start with benign neglect. Benign neglect is where you just kind of neglect a relationship and it slowly uh, peters out. It slowly, you slowly distance yourself in the relationship. Mm-hmm. Benign neglect works when you don't want it to. We've all had friends in high school or college who were good friends. We liked but over mm-hmm. the years, you just didn't stay in touch with them. And right. so through benign neglect, the relationship fizzled uh, out. It, 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 it um, dissipated. Yeah. Yet there was no reason for it. You, you like the person. Now imagine benign neglect with a plan. You do it on purpose. Right. And one of the ways to do it is through homeopathic doses. Okay. Where you gradually reduce the amount of communication with the person. So let's say uh, I'm going to go, I I lived most of my life in California. Let's say I was going to go to LA Mm -hmm. and rather than call somebody who um, I probably should have never let into my room or a family member, rather than call them and say, Hey, I'm going to be in LA a month in advance. Mm -hmm. And I know they're going to want to meet and I don't want to meet with them. Instead, you email them the day before, and you say, "Hey, I'm going to be in LA tomorrow. I'm free between one and one thirty. Do you want to talk? Do you want to have coffee?" Okay. So you limit homeopathic doses are the minimum dose necessary to uh, uh, resolve the issue or to resolve the, the medical condition. So you do that with an individual. You do homeopathic doses. Heck, they may not even see the email until after you've left. You yeah. go, "Oh, I'm sorry. You know, I said that to you before I got there." Um, and the worst case scenario is you meet them hmm. you do 30 minutes, homeopathic dose, and you move on to your next appointment. Um, so through homeopathic doses, you can gradually you uh, uh, g- create a, a situation of homeo uh, of uh, um, benign neglect. Now, sometimes people say, but Ivan, yep. aren't they going to say what's going on? Why are mm-hmm. you not spending as much time with me? Why right. are you not connecting with me? Mm-hmm. That's when you get to have the conversation. So if I said to someone, look, uh, I don't like spending time with you because, you know, you're very angry. You're very toxic. Right. They just will get mad. (laughs) That's the way to burn a bridge. Right. You put some gasoline on the relationship and light it up. (laughs) Yeah. But if they say to me, what's going on? Hmm. Why are you not connecting with me as much? That then gives me an opportunity to open the dialogue. By okay. saying something like, All right, "I, I'm, I'm glad you noticed it. I'm happy to talk about it. Do you really want to know the truth?" Okay. And then they give you permission. And when it's what's interesting is that when people give you permission to be honest and you're tactful, yeah, they're more receptive to the answer than if you just tell them without them asking. Ah. You see, true. so if you just say to somebody, "You're toxic. I don't want to hang around with you," mm. they get mad. But if you yeah. say if they say, what's going on? And you say, yeah. I'm happy to tell you, there are things going on. I'm happy to tell you. But are you really, do you want the answer? Mm-hmm. Yes, I do. Okay, so here's the answer. I, I find it difficult to spend time with you because you're always angry. You're always mad. You're always talking about something. Now, are they going to like that? No. Mm-hmm. But they'll be more receptive to it. And that right. gives you an opportunity to have an honest conversation with somebody. So to me, it's a, it's a win-win-win. I, I, I think it's a great strategy.
1: Yeah, I think it's a win-win situation because like you've uh, pointed out, it might go either of two ways. Either they won't like it uh, or what I'm envisioning, maybe you've, the last time you spoke to them was about a year back and they have embarked on their own personal growth journey and they're like, yeah, that's something I'm working on and I'm glad you pointed that out. And You know,
2: you know, that's a great point, AJ. Nobody's ever mentioned that in an interview. Um, you're right, right, you're right, right. I think you're right and I think that's absolutely possible and I've met people who have change their behavior over time. Mm
1: -hmm. And
2: uh, I think that's rare, but it's possible. And that's a great observation.
1: Yeah. Well, I love the respectful way by which you are navigating this often very uh, emotional and intense uh, dialogue, but I'm sure our listeners would really appreciate it. Now, you also write about the concept of deal breakers when sort of assessing and trying to find out uh, who are these people that are ultimately going to be in your room. So talk to us about what is uh, a deal breaker or what is this concept like?
2: That's a great, great question. And if I were to rewrite the book in the second edition, I would make the deal breakers before the values because I talk about values first, then I talk about deal breakers. When I redo the book, if I do a second edition, I'll do deal breakers first because nobody Mm. has a problem with deal breakers. Mm. So it's an easy way to um, lead into values. Mm. If you say to somebody, what your what are your values? They're confused. If you say, what are your deal breakers? They know. Yeah. For me, one of my first deal breakers when I started thinking about the book was drama. Mm. People that are dripping in drama. Right. Every day is drama. You know, I'm not. we, listen, we all have drama. I have drama, you probably have drama. <laughs> yeah. We all have a little drama, but you yeah. know what I'm talking about. People that are constantly living a life of drama.
1: Mm.
2: And it just drives me crazy. And it hit me, I got a lot of people with drama around me. Mm. And then it hit me, it's all my fault. Oh. I let them in. Yeah, I let them in. Sometimes I welcomed them in. <laughs> because it was, I had a project to do. I knew yeah. they had drama, but they were really qualified. So I'd let them in and it created chaos. chaos. Mm. So drama was one of my deal breakers. And now uh, I just do not do business with people. Who are dripping in drama? Mm. Um, here's a you can also have deal breakers in in interesting ways. My wife and I, yeah, and we don't have this in the book. Yeah, my wife and I have a a, a marriage mm. deal breaker with other couples. Sure, we only go out with other couples. Mm-hmm. You know, spend time with other couples who love and respect each other. Ah, okay. If they don't treat each other with love and respect. We don't create a relationship. We don't develop a relationship with them. Now, again, look, I've been married 30 years. Yeah. I haven't always been as loving as I could be. She maybe hasn't been as respectful as she could be. But yeah. I'm talking about the the, the the ongoing relationship. As a rule, does that mm-hmm. couple treat each other with love and respect? And if they do, that's a couple we're good spending time with yeah. and allowing into our room. If they yeah. don't, our doorman says, no, this is not a relationship that we're going to create. Mm. Those are deal breakers.
1: Got it. Because it's it's infectious sometimes, right? It's like you slowly let them in and over time you spend your weekends or maybe you go on a holiday together and before you know it, you're sort of demonstrating the same qualities or the same behaviors that at one point were part of that particular couple. So I yeah. see why. You yeah, and,
2: and if not that, and that's possible, if not yeah. that, yeah. You have a little um, it creates stress for you. Oh yeah, it does. Cuz their stress yeah. overlaps onto you and you feel yeah. it. And and I we've been in those relationships mm-hmm. and we recognized it. Yeah. See, I wish I had this book when I was 17. I wish somebody else had <laughs> written it.
1: Yeah. Absolutely. I was
2: because yeah. if I'd have read that yeah. I would have known there are certain relationships I should never have allowed into my room because they were caustic. They were difficult, either mm. a married, marital relationship or, or individuals that yeah. were caustic and difficult. And um, boy, I learned that late in life. And, and I'm not complaining. I have a good life. But <laughs> man, I could have even had a better life had I realized this earlier.
1: Right, right. And also, I mean, especially, you know, people in my community, a lot, of, a lot of them are empaths, which means they've, you know, spent a lot of time working on their energy, uh, changing their habits, uh, developing more empower, empowering routines. And in such a scenario, you're more sensitive to the stress inducing behaviors or the anxiety that some people create through yeah. their actions. And so even more so, so uh, talk to us about boundaries now, because you write about boundaries in your book, uh, and a lot of people talk about boundaries, but I feel somehow that this topic is not very well understood. I want to learn more about it. So what are they and why are they important to have?
2: So the boundaries are highly dependent on you as an individual, you have to create your own boundaries. And so what do you base those on? You have to base those on your values. So everything I talk about in the book comes back to the values. If you don't know your values, you Mm -hmm. don't know your boundaries. Mm -hmm. You just, you don't know your boundaries. So if, um, if one of your, one of your, uh, boundaries is, um, uh, po- a po- a positive relationships okay, and you're dealing with somebody who's always complaining,
1: mm-hmm.
2: then you got to draw a line in the sand and say, that's not okay. That's where the, you may be in my room, but your baggage has to stay out uh, or okay. that may be where, um, y- you're not even getting into my room. You got to stay out. So let me give you the opposite of, um. Approach, you know. I gave you one with Stuart. Sure. Let me tell you how Rick dealt with boundaries. Okay. With his mother, not his mother-in-law, but his mother. And this one's in the book. Rick. Rick would call his mother. He's my other co-author. Uh, he would call his mother every Sunday and and talk to her. Mm-hmm. And his mother was very caustic, uh, very toxic, mm-hmm. and had a lot of emotional issues. Uh, she's passed away, but um, when she was alive, he would call her every week and and he just he really hated making the calls because she was always so angry and always, you know, spouting off mostly about his brothers and sisters. Uh, okay. So he wasn't as blunt as Stuart was. Sure. He was a little more tactful. He said one day he said, mom, I love you. I'm going to call you every week. Same time. Um, starting next week, when you start going off and talking mm-hmm. about, my brothers and sisters and other people in in such a toxic way. I'm going to say to you, mom, I love you very much. I look forward to talking to you next week. I'll see you later. Bye. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to hang up. She didn't believe him. He (laughs) did that three weeks in a row. He hung up on her by saying, mom, I look forward. He just stopped her. Mom, I look forward to talking to you again next week. I'll Mm -hmm. give you a call at the same time. I love you very much. By click, mm-hmm. he did it for three weeks in a row. She never did it again. Mm-hmm. He said, The last year or so of my mother's life was the best year we had together because we talked. We, we had deep conversations, we had wonderful conversations. She talked about challenges that she had, but she didn't <sighs> get toxic, mm-hmm. she didn't get um, mean we talked about all the human experiences that you might have without being toxic. It was the best part of our relationship ever. That is the way AJ, you create a boundary.
1: Got it. Thanks a lot for sharing.
2: Yeah. It's like, you don't, you don't have to not share problems. You Mm. just can't get toxic. That was his message. And he created that boundary and he lived. The key is boundaries are easy to create.
1: Yeah.
2: The problem is we keep moving them back. Yeah. you stepped over that. Let's move it back. Oh, okay. You stepped over that. Oh, let's move right. it back. And so you keep moving the boundary back instead mm-hmm. of saying, no, this is the boundary. Uh, I'm not going to let you cross it. And you can do it in a loving and caring way. Stuart did that. I, I was uh, Rick did that. Stuart was a little more <laughs> in your face. Direct. But he's Australian. <laughs> he says, well, an Australian could always do that.
1: <laughs> so there you were, Action Tribe. It's not just about sending boundaries, but it's also about being mindful of whether or not the boundaries are being crossed. And if they are, then remember where your boundaries were in the first place. Uh, now, uh, I've been t- uh, let's take a couple of steps back. Uh, talk to us about how you launched BNI worldwide because obviously it's such a huge impact people around the world uh, it's a household brand these days everyone knows about BNI and you've really transformed how people look at business relationships uh, away yeah. from just networking and exchanging your cards but more about genuine service so talk, take us back to that day when you were thinking about you know starting
2: yeah. you know
1: the starting BNI where where did the idea come from and and what's the story behind that
2: so my vision for BNI was changing the way the world does business. I wanted to okay. change the way we did business. I went to networks that were very mercenary; it was all about selling and I'd leave those groups and I felt like I had been slimed. I needed to get a shower.
1: Yeah.
2: Uh, and then I went to groups that were very social. It was all yep. about happy hour and hors d'oeuvres and nobody was doing business. I didn't like either of those. Right. What I wanted was a group that focused on business was, but wasn't just about selling to you mm-hmm. and a group that was relational And I wanted to merge those together and the glue that would hold it together is our principal core value of giver's Mm gain. If I help you, you'll help me. We'll all do better as a result of it. And that's the way you change the way the world does business. And um, I I started with one chapter. And honestly, AJ, I didn't plan on having 9,160 chapters in 70 countries. I just wanted one chapter for me to do business with friends and associates. And Mm. people came to me and said, this is awesome. Would you help me open up my own group? Would you help me open up my own group? And I just started opening up chapters at the end of the first year. Yeah. It Mm. hit me, uh, between Christmas and new year's every year. And I I recommend your listeners do something similar. Mm -hmm. Take some period of time every year and, and assess where you're at compared to where you wanted to be. Mm-hmm. And and set your goals for where you want to go. You can't hit a target you're not aiming at. Mm-hmm. And so you got to aim at targets. And that year, I was like, "What? What just happened? This was this wasn't what I expected." Mm-hmm. And it hit me that we don't teach this in colleges and universities. Right. And the BNI um, is a way of teaching people how to build their business through referrals. And that's when I created the plan yeah. to scale BNI. And um, and 35 years later, we have over 9,000 chapters.
1: Wonderful, wonderful. And I myself did an MBA. I studied at the University of British Columbia uh, here in Vancouver. And uh, if there was one thing I would like more off of, they did a great job as far as uh, teaching people how to network and build relationships. But I think that topic is something that you cannot get enough of. And like you've mentioned, going away from just uh, networking and thinking the person who you're meeting is going to be your client versus thinking about relationships and giving, 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 which... um, which is different.
2: Yeah. Networking is more about farming than it is about hunting. Ah. It's about cultivating relationships with people because right. the truth is your clients may give you some referrals, but if you can create a referral partner, somebody yeah. who's in a, a business that can refer you to other people, then that's the way you farm right? by mm-hmm. having other people refer business to you. You could be getting business while you're on vacation. Right. And so it's all about building relationships with uh, people.
1: Got it, got it, So there you go, action tribe. Be a farmer and not a hunter. Yeah. Be more strategic about your relationships and realize that uh, you know the more you give, there's always this sense of reciprocity. Yeah. People want to give now, back to you. Sometimes, AJ, sometimes people say, yeah, but I give and give and give and, and, <laughs> and somebody's not giving back to me. Okay, right.
2: I'm not saying be stupid about it. Mm, uh, okay. you, you, know, you have to have conversations with people. So when, when, when you're giving to someone and they're not giving back to you, you, you have a simple conversation. Sit down with them and you say, um, here's how you do it. You say, okay. uh, "Let's talk about the referrals that I've given you over the last six months." Sure. I gave you this referral six months ago. How did it work out? Ah, uh, okay. And then they tell you, and they may say, "Oh, it was great. It's it's a fantastic client." Oh, I'm so glad to hear that. So, four months ago, I gave you this uh, referral. How'd that work out? And that didn't turn into a sale, but. It was a good connection. Okay, so three months ago, I gave you this. How did that work out? Oh, yeah, great client. So you get them to open up about how those referrals worked out. Sure. And if they worked out well, if Mm -hmm. any of them worked out well, that thing gives, that opens the door for you to say, I am so glad those referrals worked out for you. That was what I had hoped that they would help you. What would help me is if you could um, think about how to reciprocate and give me referrals. So maybe we could talk a little bit now about uh, how you can listen, you know, open up your reticular activating system to hear uh, people who might need referrals from me. If you've given somebody referrals like that, they'll pay attention to that conversation. But if you sit down with them and say, you haven't given me any referrals, you need to do better again, they get reactive. Mm. Uh, and, And so I'm not saying don't, ask for referrals, right? I'm saying build a relationship so that if you've given referrals to people, you can say, I've given you these referrals. I'm glad they've worked out. Could you Mm -hmm. now reciprocate in a very tactful way? Like I described and it'll work. It works. I know it works. I've done it. It works.
1: Got it. So there you go, Action Tribe. I mean, I'm not sure you understand the advice that is being shared right now is worth Millions of dollars, lots of money, and you'll it'll, it'll save you a lot of time and energy as well. We've got so many, you know, uh, yoga therapists, Reiki healers, uh, different types of small business owners, and they are going to really thrive on this advice. And I love the fact that you. Uh, engage in dialogue in a very respectful way now, yeah. i didn't know about this particular tactic but the way that you did it uh, allows for the other person to really realize how much value they received from your support but then also engage or at least think about reciprocating with right. some leads
2: sometimes some leads. we're just all busy right we're you so know? busy yeah. yeah and we're not thinking and, and then you know, all of a sudden somebody tells you how much business they've given you and you're yeah. sitting there thinking oh wait a minute i haven't given this person anything i I really need to think about them. Yeah, and I love I love your clientele. Uh, I I don't think you know this. My my wife is a qigong master. Wow. She's very uh, much into holistic healing and um, and energy healing.
1: Wow, that's amazing. I mean, I love qigong myself. And especially these days, I'm getting more and more into Ayurveda and (laughs) the deeper philosophical aspects of yoga, which I find uh, pretty intriguing. Uh, But, you know, speaking about your book, I love the various principles and uh, mindsets that you outline in your book. And you talk about the importance of welcoming mentors into your life. So how does a person listening right now or watching right now go about finding a mentor? Because, you know, uh, the concept of mentor has been written in many books, including things Go rich by Napoleon Hill, uh, but from your perspective, how does a person go about so finding that mentor? <laughs>
2: you're doing your homework. Uh, you've clearly read the book, uh, which uh, is great. Um, look, I'm a believer in mentors. Um, I, I've had many mentors throughout my life. As sometimes they're mentors who I've called a mentor. Sometimes it's somebody that just has given me one bit of advice right. that made a massive difference in my life, and I call them. They, they mentored me on something that made a difference. Okay. So, Sometimes they're formal, sometimes they're not. Okay. I'll tell you what, what a lot of people don't think about. Mm-hmm. And I would urge your listeners to think about this is that sometimes you can have a virtual mentor. Ah, okay. Today, more than ever. You know, when I was a young man, a virtual mentor was in a book. Yes. I had to read a book. Yeah. And they were my virtual mentor. And okay. I had many virtual mentors, one of which, uh, Michael Gerber, who wrote the book, The E Myth. Yes. The entrepreneurial myth. Mm -hmm. He was my virtual mentor. When I read the E-Myth, I sat down and I did what he said to do in that book. (laughs) And that's the way I scaled BNI, was doing the things that he talked about. And one day I was talking on a radio interview about, and the the interviewer said, well, you you know, tell me what's a business book you read to help you build BNI? And I said, well, the E-Myth and uh, Michael Gerber, and he did this and he says this and work on your business, not in your business. And you know what was amazing, AJ? Yeah. Was a couple of days later, I got a phone call. Wow. And it was Michael Gerber. <laughs> and he said, I heard your interview. Thank you so much for recommending my book. And um, we got together mm. a later. And he spent a few days up at my lake house in, in Big Bear when I lived in California. And, and I became really good friends with Michael. And so I tell you that story because sometimes, not all the time, but sometimes a virtual mentor can become a real life mentor. You can meet them and create a a real relationship. I have many virtual mentors that did not become real relationships, but I have some Mm. in real real personal face-to-face relationships. So start with virtual mentors um, and and, uh, interviews like this, recordings like this are exactly what I'm talking about. By you, mm. you, like going to a, a show like this, you develop virtual mentors—people who mm. help guide you and coach you to be a better version of yourself.
1: Wonderful! Wonderful. Then, I'm pinching my skin right now.
2: <laughs> yeah, that's, that's the way. That's what these are all about. And today. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. Today, more than ever, virtual Mm. mentors are incredibly powerful. YouTube, podcasts, audios, you know, um, um, videos. There's so much out there for you to go to. So find one that really resonates with you and listen to it over and over and over again. And that person or those people become your mentors. And then also try to find real individuals that can mentor you in some way because I think that's really important. Now I'm gonna take it one step further if you don't mind, AJ. Oh please go ahead. <laughs> I think it's not only important for you to have mentors,
1: mm-hmm.
2: I think it's really important for you to be a mentor. Okay. And and you don't have to be you don't have to be 50, 60 years old with gray hair like I have mm-hmm. to be a mentor. Yeah. You can be in your twenties and mentor a younger person. You could be in your twenties and mentor somebody just a couple of years younger. You, you could be in your twenties and mentor someone older. If you have more experience in something than they sure. do. Yeah. Uh, because we all have people. This is, to me, this is so powerful. What I'm going to say next. We all have people who are in our story, right? If I said to you, how did you achieve your success? Or how did you get to where you are? You'll have people that you can name. I have people I can name. Yeah. but The key is Not, To me, the key is not who's in my story. The key is whose story am I in? Mm. Whose life have I made a change in? Mm -hmm. That you want to have a powerful life. It's not who's in your story. It's whose story are you in? So mentoring is so important for you, but Mm -hmm. it's also important for you to give to others. Right. And there's a really tangible reason why. Mm -hmm. Not only makes you feel good, it not only hits that quote that I gave about Sartre that, yeah, your life is it's your deeds added up, yeah. But um, it's it's also it makes you a it makes you better at what you do.
1: Right. And
2: I, I'll tell you one last quick story, and then I'll take it oh to yeah question. <laughs> I, I years ago I coached my son's chess club. He was ten years old. He's twenty six now, so it was sixteen right. years. I just, my, I, I coached my son's chess club, 10 year olds. Mm-hmm. I was good at chess. I never really studied it before then. Mm. I just was, um, I just had a natural, uh, affinity to chess. But when I had to coach 10 year olds, mm. I couldn't just say, eh, just move this, just do this. Okay, Right. right. I had to explain it, which means yes. I had to read mm. and, and I had to learn. I didn't. I learned, I, I was good at chess, but I learned what the moves were. I learned mm. what a skewer was, what a ladder was, what a pin was, what a fork was. These are all terms used in chess that I never knew before I coached. Yeah, I became a better player in chess when I coached 10-year-olds because I had to explain it to them. Yeah. So Sometimes you become a better person at whatever you're coaching Mm -hmm. by mentoring someone else. So Mm -hmm. not only look for mentors, look for being a mentor. I wrote a book on this by the way, it's called The Networking Mentor. It's available on Amazon, The Networking Mentor and it's all about mentoring in networking.
1: Definitely. I would encourage our listeners to go check out that book. And I'm going to check out that book as well. But you've shared so many really valuable uh, tips uh, from uh, your response uh, to my question about mentorship. And uh, one of them is obviously Action Tribe. If you're listening then don't uh, limit yourself to formal mentorship. Sometimes you might have a one-off mentor who might just give you that one insight or an answer that you're looking for, whether it's an article you read in a newspaper, or maybe you hear something on a podcast that completely shifts your mindset. So you can have one-off mentors. The other thing is uh, online mentors, virtual mentors. So don't be limited to just physical presence uh, because it's You know, the world is extremely connected nowadays. And if you just give a shout out to the right mentors who at the right time listens to your podcast episode, just like we're finding out that connection can be established and be a mentor. I think that's really powerful. I mean, I've heard of the quote, uh, to be a good teacher, make sure you learn in in order to be a good learner, make sure you teach. And So just by learning how to teach a 10 year old, which I'm sure is not easy because you got to go down to the basics, you will, in fact, be a great learner. So thanks a lot. Uh, Ivan, for sharing such amazing amazing great um,
2: synopsis of what I said AJ
1: <laughs> thank you thank you and now you're uh, moving from mentors uh, and moving towards building that inner circle because we've addressed the fact that sometimes people might not uh, be a fit for our room and so there are certain dialogues and things that we need to do for that but what if you want to build that wonderful nourishing circle of people who know like and support you and propel you towards your vision. Maybe it's that close network of friends, colleagues. How do you go about doing that? How do you build your network? Well, uh, you do it by a number of ways. One one thing I
2: recommend is that you network up. Okay. Network up. If you're the most successful person in a room, you're hanging out in the wrong rooms. Right. Let me Let me restate that. If you're always the most successful person in a room you're hanging out in the wrong rooms, sometimes it's okay to be the most successful person in a room. That's fine. But if you're always the most successful person in a room, you're hanging out in the wrong room. So you want to (laughs) go to environments that uh, scale you up and that you network up. And if you can do that and do that effectively and build relationships with these people, then um, you're building a, a, a powerful personal network.
1: Okay. So we've got some people. Yeah, absolutely. totally makes sense. We've got some uh, live viewers who are commenting. He says, Hey, AJ, love what you do. L- love finding new mentors. That's Nathan. Uh, Arvid says mentoring and being mentored. Great stuff. And he also I says. I love this picture too. That's a great picture. Is what? <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's full of energy, a lot of uh, adventure. That's what I see from that, but <laughs> it's a wonderful, wonderful picture. Um, Ivan, over the years, what is one mistake that you see people making time and again when it comes to building valuable relationships uh, in business?
2: Well, the biggest mistake in business, and and if I I don't hit your exact question, tell me. But the biggest mistake I see in business is people, um, they they need to do six things a thousand times Mm. instead of a thousand things six
1: times. Okay.
2: The number one mistake I see in business is that, People have to understand that if you want to be successful in business, you have to do six things a thousand times, Mm -hmm. not a thousand things, six times. People are constantly chasing bright, shiny objects. Mm
1: -hmm.
2: And and you mentioned relationships. And so they're constantly bouncing around from person to person rather than going deep and building some relationships. If your network is a mile wide and an inch deep, it'll never be powerful. Okay. Your network needs to be both wide and in places deep. Okay. So that you have some relationships that go deep. Okay. And and that means, you know, and, and by the way, it doesn't it doesn't have to be six. It can be five. It can be sure. seven. The idea is it's a handful of things and you do it over and over and over again. That's okay. the secret to building a successful business, in my opinion.
1: Okay, so go deep. Don't just go wide. Don't just yeah. have these surface level conversations with uh, people that you meet. Yeah. Um, find opportunities to go deeper. Whether it's through serving, I guess, right, having more interactions or more right. conscious and to conversations
2: help another. So I, the foundation of everything I teach for networking yeah. is on a concept that I call the VCP process. Okay, VCP. It it stands for visibility, pro, uh, visibility, credibility, profitability. Mm-hmm. first you have to be visible in the community people have to know who you are you yeah. to know what you do then you move to credibility where people know who you are they know what you do and they know you're good at it
1: mm-hmm.
2: and then and only then can you get to profitability where people know who you are they know you're good at it and they're willing to pass you referrals on an ongoing reciprocal basis yeah. and so uh it's all that's all about building relationships my friend mm-hmm. that's what that's all about because if you if you if you say to some but he, if, you know, if I am you and I say, hey, AJ, it's great meeting you. Let's yeah. do business. Right. You, you've jumped over visibility. You've oh. jumped over credibility. You're trying to get right to profitability. Um, mm-hmm. I call that, in one of my books, I call that premature solicitation, which you oh, don't want okay. to say fast three times. That'll get you in trouble.
1: <laughs> I mean, it's, it's a funny thing. I mean, you mentioned that I, I I remember VCP. And I still remember when I came to Vancouver. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's about f- five years back. And it was a new city. Well, I I consider myself an introvert. I'm not really good at you know building connections or reaching out to people who I potentially don't know. And I had read an article, and your I think it was your article, or somebody was explaining about VCP, and now it's like a whole circle. I'm speaking to the person who came up with this concept. Oh, mine, VCP. I trademarked that baby. Yes, 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 yes. So, action drive visibility, credibility profitability if you go into that meetup or that or that group ensure that you're visible over a period of time you'll build some credibility and then only then you can speak about having that uh, business dialogue which i think is 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 priceless so thanks a lot for sharing that with us and even on the other hand i mean i'm going to turn it around now people that are excellent relationship builders and those that everyone want in their room in addition to adhering to the VCP principle, are there any other things that they do differently when it comes to building relationships?
2: So I think that the quickest way to get to credibility, okay. to, get to profitability is to find ways to help people. Okay, What happens particularly in networking is that we use networking as a face-to-face cold calling opportunity. Yeah. Uh, and, and that doesn't work. I'm, I, I did a convention a number of years ago in London and I had 900 people there. I was a keynote speaker. It was a lot of open networking. And I asked the audience that day, I don't know why I did it, but I asked the audience, how many of you are here today hoping to, you know, maybe possibly sell something? Mm
1: -hmm.
2: AJ, 900 people raised their hands. (laughs) I said, great. How many of you are here today hoping to, you know, maybe just possibly buy something? Nobody raised their hands. Nobody wants to buy. <laughs> Not a single person. Right. So we, we're all, you know, they all showed up there wanting to sell, but nobody was there to buy. Right. So, um, you know, why go? Well, you go to go through the BCP process. You go to networking events to to build relationships with people, and mm-hmm. that's really the key: is is getting to know, like, and trust someone, mm-hmm. so that you can do business with them. And this is the thing that we don't teach in colleges and universities. We don't teach this at all. So what happens is people get desperate. Mm-hmm. They try to go out and instead of using networking as a way of building relationships, they use it as a way of face-to-face cold calling. And that just doesn't work. A lot of people say to me, I don't like networking. And then I yeah. ask them, well, what's networking like? <laughs> and they describe it to me. I'm like, that's not networking. That's face-to-face cold calling. No, yeah. is about building relationships. Well, I like yeah. that. Well, then do that. That's That's what you have to do. So how do you build relationships? Help somebody, Mm -hmm. find ways to help someone. So you meet, let's say you meet somebody for the first time. You're at a business event. I've I've got lots of questions. I've written books on, they have chapters on it. What questions do you ask? Yeah. You know, the usual suspects, tell me about what you do. What do you love about what you do? What's your target market? All these questions. But the last question I recommend, not the first, never do this as the first last question. Once you've built the rapport. Sure. What are some of the challenges that you have in your business? Okay. Now, if you build rapport with somebody, they'll Mm -hmm. be honest, they'll tell you. Mm. Then when they tell you that's your opportunity to find a way to help them. And when I say find a way to help them, I don't mean sell something to them.
1: Yes, 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 yes.
2: I mean, say something like, you know, I know. I know people uh, who might be able to help you with that. Would you like me to make an introduction?
1: Right. right.
2: I have an article. I read an article online about that.
1: Sure. Would
2: you like me to send you a link to the article? Yes. (sighs) Would you? Here's my card. Then when you get their card, you send them the link. Now you're helping them. Mm -hmm. If you can help somebody in business or in life, you got them. You started a relationship and mm-hmm. you've moved to credibility far quicker than just meeting them and chit-chatting.
1: Right, right, right. That's, that's powerful. And that, I think uh, some people might miss it, but it's important that you've shared that first comes rapport building. And only then you ask that question about what is that challenge you're facing in your business? Because I see a lot of people, especially on LinkedIn, and they, the first thing they'll ask is, hey, what is that one challenge you have with your business? And you know, they're asking that specifically you're because they sell- want to sell you something. So yeah. that's powerful.
2: Yeah. And, yeah. That's so VCP applies face to face and it applies online. Okay. So premature solicitation happens at light speed online. Yeah. <laughs> it's so easy to just send out a bunch of uh, emails or, or messages to people saying, Hey, what's your biggest challenge? Hey, what's your biggest challenge? Hey, what's your biggest challenge? You yeah, can do yeah. that really quickly online. But that doesn't mean you're going to build relationships.
1: Right. right, right. Got it. So thanks a lot for sharing. And I'm sure that all our listeners are, you know, years are peaked and they're wanting to know how can we improve the quality of our relationships in business as well as in life. And you've shared so many nuggets up until now. Now, at the end of your book, like we've spoken at the beginning of our interview, but at the end of your book, you've said that perhaps we shouldn't be striving for balance in our life because but more harmony and more fulfillment. So talk about this shift. How do we experience more harmony and fulfillment yeah. in life? Why did it shift?
2: So many people ask me, how do you create a, a um, balance in your life? And, yeah. and I tell them, forget about balance, it's not possible. Right. And people are, when I do that live with an audience, they're like, oh no, really? It's not possible. No, it's not possible. When you look <laughs> at balance like scales, Okay, and and, you know, um, our personal life has to be in balance with our professional life, which has to be in balance with our uh, spiritual life and our health. And if you're an entrepreneur, if you own your own business, especially if you're an entrepreneur, Mm -hmm. life isn't about balance. It's it's more like a a juggling act than a balancing act. You're juggling so many different things. Yeah, I don't think balance is really possible. Okay, but I do believe, as you said, that harmony. Is Mm. possible, And this is more than semantics. Even the graphic for harmony, the yin and the yang, Mm. right? Even the yin and the yang graphic, if you separate them,
1: Mm.
2: are out of balance.
1: Right. They are.
2: So individually, they're out of balance. But together, it creates a life of harmony. And so what I talk about in the book is is don't worry about balance so much. Worry about creating a life of harmony. And you can create Mm. a life of harmony. And I talk about many techniques in the book Mm -hmm. on how to create a life of harmony. Do you want two or three? Yeah, please go ahead. Okay. (laughs) Okay. So here's the, here's one of the most important ones. Okay. It's deceivingly simple. Okay. It's three words. Be here now. Wherever you are, be fully present. Now, that sounds really easy. It's harder to do in real life. So don't be at work beating yourself up for not spending time with the family last night. And don't be at home thinking about that project that you have at work. Mm -hmm. Wherever you are, be fully present to that moment. Now, again, nobody's perfect at this. I wasn't. But I was pretty good at it. I was pretty good at really trying to be fully present wherever I was, and I remember when my when my son, the same young man who's 26 now, when he was 17, we were playing um, uh, we were playing Halo. We were playing a, a computer game. Yeah. Big screen TV. We're playing. He's, by the way, he's kicking my butt in Halo. <laughs> and okay. we're leveling up. Okay. And you know it buffers when it levels up, and I said to him, I said, uh, "Hey, buddy, was I around enough for you?" When you were growing up and now you gotta understand aj i travel a lot i mean i'm on the road easily 24 trips a year okay that's every other week Mm -hmm. been doing that for years and so i said was i around enough for you Mm -hmm. when you were young and he looked at me like i was crazy aj and he's like what (laughs) was i around enough He's like you're around all the time like Mm okay, did you happen to notice that I was gone every other week for mm-hmm. at least a few days? He's like, yeah, yeah, but I don't know. And this is what he said to me as we're waiting for the game to level up. He's yeah. like, I don't know. It's like when you're here, you're like here. Can we get back to the game now? And I'm like, yeah, we can mm. get back to the game now. And to me, that's an example of what I'm talking about, is okay. that who are present, be present. Don't be. Don't have your head someplace else. That's the first step of be here now is to really engage where, wherever you are.
1: Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, it totally makes sense. I think it's very, very profound.
2: It, it is, and it's way harder to do than it sounds. Here's yeah. another one. Create mm-hmm. margins in your life. Create margins. In okay. In, in Who's in Your Room? I talk about a couple. It's I don't say who. Uh, it's actually my wife and I. Okay. We have um, uh, every night we have what we call wine o'clock. Mm-hmm. And wine o'clock is where oftentimes we'll go out on the patio, which is right next to my office here, or up in the, we have a tower and we'll okay. go to the tower, which is attached to our house. And we just watch the deer walk by or the wild turkey, or just look yeah. at our land. And we sit and we have a glass of a great Cabernet and, and talk,
0: mm.
2: just talk. And and we do that almost every night where we have wine o'clock where it's, you know, I'm just fully present for her. She's present for me. We have a conversation. Right. That's the way you create margins in your life. Ever since I was a young man, I always um, had what I called um, mental health days. Mm-hmm. A mental health day for me is just I, I don't work. Right. I'm this home. I go in the pool. I barbecue. I go out on the boat. Uh, I'll watch movies or I spend mm-hmm. time with the family. But I, I don't work. And I think it's important to do that. I think it's important to take vacation time. I know business people who've said to me, oh, I've not been on a vacation in three years. Like you're an idiot. <laughs> well, why haven't you had a vacation? you got to have a vacation. That's yeah. part of your margins in life. That's yes. part of creating harmony. So I have a lot of, I have like six or seven different techniques. I just gave you two. Um, yeah. Be here now and create margins.
1: Yeah, So there you go, Action Tribe. I think it's really powerful to be able to have this wisdom uh, and knowing that harmony is always accessible for us, whether we're having our own version of Wine O'Clock or whether we're, you know, by the way, you might want to trademark that. (laughs) Uh, Or maybe you're going for that vacation or whether you're just uh, having some mindful moments with your friends and family, because when you take that break and when you come back to your business, you're going to be much more creative, much more driven. Are much more really motivated and energized. And it also helps if your wife is a Qigong master. It, right? it doesn't hurt, does it? <laughs> awesome. Well, thanks a lot for sharing that, Ivan. Uh, based on the advice that you've shared so far, what is that one action step that you like to recommend for our listeners?
2: Well, um, g- g- give me some context. One action step uh, in, in what situation?
1: Uh, so let's say, you know, we have folks who want to. Build more conscious, nurturing relationships with people in their lives, okay. and from the standpoint of building a nurturing uh, network or a inner circle, what is that one action step that they can take today?
2: So you know the the old expression: it's not what you know, it's who you know. Yes, I don't think it's either. Hmm. I, I I don't think it's what you know or who you know. It's how well you know each other. Mm. That really counts. And so the one action step I would say is right now. Take some people who you want to go deeper in your relationship with, professionally, okay. personally, okay. or people that you um, had a deep relationship, but through benign neglect, you've accidentally let that relationship dissipate and consciously reconnect with that person to go deeper in the relationship. Because um, it's not who's in your database. Mm-hmm.
1: That
2: counts. What counts is who's in your database that you could pick up the phone and they would answer your call. And if you ask them for a favor, they'd be happy to do it for you. That is a relationship.
1: And that's what you want to do. So that's that's some that's a great vision to work towards. I know I need to do a lot of work, but thanks to your advice, I'm gonna be taking some action steps right away. Now, Action Tribe to access the show notes for this episode, visit mysevenchakras.com forward slash 350. My7chakras.com forward slash three five zero. And if you're listening to this podcast, especially on your iPhone, then make sure that you hit subscribe because that'll ensure that you don't miss out on the new episodes that we have in store for you. Hit The subscribe button so that you stay in the know. A mentor is someone who sees more talent and ability within you than you see in yourself and helps bring it out of you. Now, this is a profound quote by Bob Proctor. Action Tribe, the quote is simple yet profound. Oftentimes in life, we get so caught in our thoughts and emotions that we fail to notice our own gifts and abilities. It really helps to get some feedback from another vantage point so that we get to know more about ourselves, both the good and the bad. Uh, the principle has been written in numerous books in the past, but it's true, like Bob Proctor mentioned, a mentor really helps bring out the best in you. So Ivan, if you could talk about a time when you faced a difficulty or maybe a challenge or something that you weren't expecting, how did you come out of that situation? And then uh, basically, what steps did you take to sort of uh, overcome it? Oh,
2: I mean, uh, how long is the show? Uh, I've got so many problems that I've had over, over my lifetime. I yeah. think one of the most serious challenges I had, uh, was probably about eight years ago. And, okay. um, one of the things I did to get through that challenge was I read a, a really good book uh, called crucial conversations. Okay. And it's about uh, dealing with, uh, communicating with people when the stakes are high. Okay. And, um, Uh, I had a a problem in my company and the problem was in many ways, my own making, Mm -hmm. Uh, you know, I I didn't deliver what I thought I would be able to deliver. And so I had to throw myself on the sword and apologize and make it right. And that book really helped with that. It helped a lot. Mm -hmm. Crucial conversation that gave me the context to be able to tell people Mm -hmm. I screwed up. We can fix this. And this is what I have in mind to fix it, and let's work together to make it happen. It was uh, it was very helpful uh, for me. The, the story is a long story, but that's the, the the quick version of it.
1: Got it. So thanks a lot for sharing. I mean, I think that's one of the hardest things to do is not is not just make a mistake, which I think everyone makes, but to be upfront and honest about the mistake that was made, yeah. uh, but also have a plan of action to address that, which I think is profound.
2: All right, so let me add one thing to it because sure, sure. There's one big step that I left out of it, yeah, it, it's a concept I call "talk, talk till they drop." Okay, and that's where I let them talk. Okay, until they got tired of complaining. Mm-hmm. So I said, "Tell me every complaint you have." Okay, don't leave anything out, and I wrote them all on flip charts. Mm-hmm. And it would, this was a group of, of, of uh, BNI franchisees, and I wallpapered the room okay. with all their complaints. Okay. And it took two hours, mm. two hours, until they finally got so tired, <laughs> they were done. Okay. By then, they were receptive mm. to my ideas. Had I just sat down and said, okay, I got this. We can fix this. This is what I'm going to do. Mm-hmm. And it, they would have had nothing to do with it because they mm. were so mad at me. They had to right. voiced their, their anxiety, their anger. Mm-hmm. I let them do it for two hours. I let, and, and I didn't argue with them. I just wrote it down. Right. Even if I disagreed, I was just like, shut up, write it down. <laughs> for myself, I'm saying, shut up, write it down. Yeah. At the end of two hours, they were so tired they were willing to listen. I had an idea; yeah. they were receptive to the idea, and we came up with a solution together. And um, and and crucial conversations didn't completely give me that, but they gave me the way uh, to help create the dialogue to have that.
1: Got right. it. So I mean, there, this is some great advice for people who might be in a not just an entrepreneur, but also who might be in a customer service role, or yeah. might be a sales person who has an irate customer. Um, and so I think the difference that you made was that you did not just jump to conclusions and propose the solution, but you allowed them to express themselves and express their emotions. And just in doing so and not, uh, you know, uh, interrupting them, you allowed them a sense of relief. Yeah. And I think that's powerful. Uh, that is some really, really good advice right there. Uh, thanks and, a lot for and sharing.
2: Just, it's painful and difficult.
1: Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's Yeah, it's, I can imagine it's not easy, right? <laughs> no, not easy but that's a powerful idea just to uh, you know call your clients in a room and and, and allow them to write and, and put it on the wall yeah. that's, that's something fascinating thanks for sharing yeah. uh, action tribe i hope you're enjoying today's session we still have our last round to go but i have a message for you visualization is powerful it's been said for thousands of years and science is now proving that it's actually true our mind doesn't know the difference between something that is real in front of you and something that you vividly hold in your imagination. So if we feed our mind the images and visuals of our success, then the part to success becomes more streamlined and in flow. So make sure that you have images that remind you of how it would feel once you achieve your goals. And especially when, it, when we're talking about goals that relate to our relationships, which are probably the most important goals that one can aspire to. Because as Epictetus reminded us 2,000 years back, we all carry the seeds of greatness within us, but we need an image as a point of focus in order that they may sprout. So Mm -hmm. think about that for a minute. And we have arrived at the last round, which is called the wisdom round. So Ivan, what is the best piece of advice that you have ever received?
2: So there's so many great, bits of advice, but I'm going to give you, uh, advice from somebody who, uh, I didn't necessarily know really well, but they gave me okay. a nugget okay. that really was powerful. Uh, I was talking to the person about the fact that the, 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 the decisions I make, uh, impact people in mm-hmm. their lives. And he said to me, Ivan, don't worry about making mistakes. Okay. You will.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: What you have to be cognizant of is how quickly you fix it and taking responsibility for it. And if you take responsibility and you fix the mistake quickly, don't worry about making mistakes because it's inevitable. And that was a great bit of advice and helped me in many ways over the years.
1: If you could turn back time and spend one hour with someone who is currently living or dead, who would it be?
2: Uh, it would be Gandhi. Okay. Yeah, no question about it. He was an amazing man.
1: Got it. And what is that one thing you do in the morning or in the evening before you sleep that has increased the quality of your life? So, for decades
2: now, every morning after I exercise, mm-hmm. I have a steam shower. Okay. Every house I've ever owned either had it or I installed it. Okay. And I meditate in the steam. Okay. And I'm telling you, sometimes I come up with the best ideas just sitting there, clearing oh. my mind and just opening up to possibilities. And things just come to me. I, when I was in high school, okay, a teenager, I read a book called Psycho-Cybernetics by Maxwell Moltz, And he talked about the mechanism of the mind and how the mind is always working. Even when you're not really thinking about a problem, it's working it. Mm-hmm. And the thing to do is just, just open up your mind to, to to just the universe you know just be just be at, at peace and things will come to you and they absolutely come to me in the steam shower which is really crazy but it's <laughs> I, it's the way I meditate
1: that's a wonderful morning routine to have a steam shower I've never been in a steam shower I've been in the steam room but and steam. In the
2: shower it's a shower. In my house, it's a shower that has a steam mechanism.
1: So it's all closed up. So it's (laughs) a small steam room. Cool. That's amazing. And what is that one book that you'd like to recommend for our listeners today? Well, I think I've
2: I've recommended it. That's Conscious Capitalism. It's it's a really strong uh, book on how to work with people. And and The the, the E-Myth, I talked about both of those books. They're fantastic books. One's business, one's useful in business or personal life.
1: Got it. And by the way, is your book currently available on Audible as well?
2: Uh, yes. Um, the Networking Mentor is not, but Who's in Your Room is available okay. on Audible. And the great thing about it is it's read by all three of our uh, all three of the authors.
1: Oh, nice, nice, and nice! Big...
2: A little more content in the Audible version mm. because what we do is as we're reading it, we 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 just said, okay, I'm 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 getting off script now. Yeah. in the book and i'm going to say this so we actually have some additional content in the audible version than what's in the written version
1: nice i'm, I'm noticing a lot of uh, authors and publishers getting creative with uh with the audible mm-hmm. and i think it makes for an even better listening to actually hear the authors um uh, share and read out their book uh and also action tribe if you would like this book uh Ivan's book for free, then then know that Audible.com is offering Action Tribe one free audiobook download with a free 30-day trial so that you can get to check out their service. I've got a lot of Audible books on my own phone, and it just makes for easy consumption, especially if you're in transit or if you're not in a place where it's conducive for reading a book. Uh, So in order to get your credit and start listening to who's in your room and listen to Ivan as well as the other authors read out some amazing nuggets and principles and mindsets and things to keep in mind to ensure that you have a very nourishing and fulfilling life. Then go to my 7 forward slash free book. That's my7chakras.com forward slash free book. So Ivan, thank you so much for coming on our show today. It was an absolute honor to connect with you and to receive all these uh, stories and wisdom and uh, principles that you've shared with us today before you go tell us one thing that you're grateful for and how we can find you online.
2: Happy to do that. I got to tell you, AJ, this is the longest interview that felt the shortest
1: I've ever done. Oh, that's, uh, I'm going to feel great all day now. <laughs>
2: because uh, because we, we were able to go deep, but it felt short. Uh, I appreciate the great questions that you had. What's the one thing I feel uh, grateful for? Uh, listen, I've been married 30 years. So um, my, I'm, I think the thing that I'm most grateful for is uh, my bride of 30 years who I met in BNI, it was the best referral I ever got. Uh, And uh, we have a fantastic relationship. Um, And uh, uh, she, you know, I, in one of my first books, I said um, in my, in my uh, opening, I said, uh, um, I make the living and she makes the living worthwhile. And uh, that is absolutely my bride. Wonderful, wonderful. Thanks a lot for sharing.
1: Thank you, AJ. Great interview,
2: interview, by the way. Thank you.
1: Thank you. And how do we find you online? If you could share.
2: Um, I have a a blog. Uh, I've been blogging twice a week since 2007. So I've got a lot, 12 years of blogs. Uh, Ivan Meisner.com that's um, Ivan M-I-S-N-E-R.com and uh, Facebook okay. I, I have a lot a big following on Facebook so go to uh, facebook.com slash Ivan Meisner dot founder
1: got it so Action Tribe if you are also on Instagram take a screenshot of this episode or take a photo of you and tag us on Instagram my handle is at my7chakras at my7chakras and we'll ensure that your message is shared with our entire community if you have a question uh, feedback or some comment about today's episode, my email is aj at my 7 aj at my 7 com. Now Ivan, this is something I am, that I'm I also on Instagram, Dr. Ivan Meisner at okay. Instagram I'm writing it down. We will ensure that all of this is in the show notes. So make sure that you follow uh, Dr. Ivan Meisner. And uh, Ivan, this is something that we're introducing new. If you have a message for our community Action Tribe and you want to maybe encourage them to listen to this episode, is there a message that you'd like to share with our community? Because we'll add that clip at the beginning.
2: Absolutely. So you talk about the importance of visualization and attraction. Yeah big believer in attraction Okay. and the law of attraction and the word action Mm -hmm. is part of the word attraction. Okay. And so it's good to attract things into your life, but if you don't take action, I don't think the attraction works as well. So you have to take action to make the attraction work.
0: Thank you for listening to my seven chakras at mysevenchakras.com. That is my s e v e n chakras.com.